Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Tuck, we're here week five of the SEC, and this is our first all-SEC slate. We've got some SEC versus SEC battles this week. How you feeling? I'm feeling really, really good about this. Um, it's going to be one hell of a week. And, I, you know, not to jump too quickly into the betting of this whole thing, but this is the first week of just bizarre lines that I've seen which, you know, has me thinking different things than I might normally think as far as talent and, and skill and coaching and all that goes. You know, I, I love a good game breakdown, but at the end of the day, the Vegas lines do kind of mean a lot and, and move a lot of how I think about these games because um, we've got some games that just don't make sense from a line standpoint. You nailed it. There's some lines out there that are so confusing to me. I was I was looking earlier and they're just saying some of these make no sense, but they always say Vegas knows something we don't. So let's talk about it. Let's dive in. Let's uh let's look at the games. We've got seven SEC games this week. Let's take a look at each game. Let's tell you uh who's gonna win. Let's tell you why. And then let's talk uh best bet for each game. How does that sound? Sounds fun to me. I'm I'm all in. All right, Tuck. There's a reason they call you the master of the transition. That uh, first game with a line that I was very confused about, Kentucky versus Florida. And for the listeners, Kentucky's giving one point at home. Fascinating. What are your thoughts on this game, Tuck? I mean, here's the thing. I think, and we're going to drive into the Tennessee game a little bit later, but I think this Florida Tennessee game was a little, a little untelling, if if that makes any sense. <laughs> but like, I I think it was a situation Tennessee was missing a few linemen. Florida had the perfect scheme and, and everything, and, and so we're kind of seeing that reflected in these in these lines coming up this week. Um, and that you know I think Tennessee might be a little better than what we think because of that game. And I think Florida might be a little bit worse than we think because of that game. Um, And so we got a game in Lexington, which I think is also important because playing at Florida, not, not saying that at Lexington is, is you know, a crazy environment to play in, but obviously the latter is they would be playing at Florida. And I think that would significantly move the line in Florida's direction. Um, but we got an undefeated Kentucky team who I think is overrated. Uh, we've got a Florida team who's ranked 22nd with one loss just to Utah. But I also think they're slightly overrated. Um, and this is with Kentucky being favored by one here. I'm kind of leaning towards Kentucky on this. Um, I, I, I think that that Florida D line isn't as good as they showed against Florida or against Tennessee. 
I think that this Kentucky team might be a little bit better than they're leading on. I, I do think they have issues with the passing attack. Uh, so they're going to have to do the ground game on this. Um, and so I, I, I just, I don't really know. It's one of those weird games. Let me know what your, your thoughts are. Tuck, I'm with you. This was a tough one for me, but I like, I like Kentucky here. I think Kentucky wins this football game. We haven't seen Devin Leary at his best. So I want to see what Devin Leary can do against this Florida defense. Uh, Anecdotally, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's having a great year. Kentucky's going to try to pound the rock with Ray Davis. I think we're going to see Ray Davis have some success running the ball against this Florida defense. Uh, and then on the Florida side, I, you know, coming into the season, I had I had concerns about Graham Mertz, uh, and he's he's proved me wrong so far. He's completing almost eighty percent of his passes. He's got a great QBR. We know Florida's got the two-headed monster of ETN and Montreal Johnson, so. This is going to be fun to watch. I like I like Kentucky at home here. I'm a Mark Stoops guy. I think he has Kentucky ready to play. I think he nailed it. I think Florida's a little overrated since they beat a banged-up Tennessee team. Um, I, I like Kentucky stopping the run. I like Kentucky scoring on this Florida defense, so I – I've got Kentucky handling business at home. I think that's yeah. I think boy. my bet for this game, even though it, I think it's the lowest over under the week, but I still want to take the under here. I like at forty four. It is. Um, I just see this being one of those like ten to nine games. Um, <laughs> classic football. Know, I don't think Kentucky's very good at run or at throwing the ball. And Florida's good at stopping. I mean, both of these teams are good at stopping the run. Florida's rush yards allowed is 82.3, and Kentucky's is 77.5. So we're talking about two good defensive fronts that can stop the run and two teams that can't throw the ball very well. So this is just going to be, I think, one of those uh, like Big Ten-looking games where you got just everyone trying to run it over and over and over again. Someone inevitably is going to – have a breakout play, you know, like a a 60 yard run or something like that. And I think whoever does that is going to win. But I also, because of the running attack and everything, I don't see there being crazy turnovers either. I just think it's going to be one of those bizarre low scoring games. I don't know which team is going to etch the other one out. And with the line being pretty much even, I don't want to bet on that. I just, I don't, I don't see it getting to 44 points. And Tuck, you've mentioned it earlier in the podcast with the new clock rules. These are these are two teams that like to run. These are two teams that are, as you mentioned, good at stopping the run. That clock's just going to keep moving every time you yeah. look. This, this is going to be one of those games that feels like it was played in you know two hours. Feels like it was played really quickly. Yeah, they'll probably um, both get five possessions each half. You know, oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and so you know, if you give Kentucky and Florida ten possessions in this entire game telling me that they're both going to score more than three touchdowns. I I just don't see it. Um, so that that's why I'm taking the under here. I'm with you. We got ourselves a good old fashioned defensive battle. I'm uh, I'm too afraid to take over unders because I think Vegas is just too good with the red front <laughs> they, are, they are so good at those. They're unbelievable. But uh, I do like Kentucky minus one for our listeners. 
And that's our uh, ESPN noon game. So let's move on to the other noon game. SEC Network, Texas A&M at Arkansas. I'll kick us off here. This is going to be an interesting game because uh, I think breaking news from the pod, uh, Connor Weigman is going to be out for the season, it looks like. So it's going to be the Max Johnson show for Texas A&M. They're giving six points at Arkansas. I, maybe it's recency bias, Tuck, but I like Arkansas in this one. I like Arkansas at home getting some points. I think KJ Jefferson continues to look better each week. Uh, that Texas A&M defense has looked good as of late, but as we know from that Miami game, they're 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 susceptible for sure. So I like I like Arkansas taking care of business here against Texas A&M. I I agree with you 100. I and I again I don't know if they're going to win this game. I just don't think A&M has looked better and better, but for me the real underlying thing is the loss of the starting quarterback. And look, we made Max Johnson the stud of the week last week. He came in and couldn't have played better in the second half. But I don't know if I trust that moving forward. I think because of that, people are giving the Aggies a little more. uh, I, I think they're not really accounting in for the the drop off from Wagman who he was a really good the first few games before oh, he went out. A, if we were to re-rank the quarterbacks last week, you've got to have Connor Wagman in your top 5. Well, oh, 100% and that's yeah, for sure. I mean, he he was I mean, he was really good and that, and like I said, Johnson came in and, and did a, a good job last week against you know, I think a subpar Auburn team. And I think maybe Auburn made them look, made him look a little better than he was. Um, and this Arkansas team, I mean, let's not forget they just went punch for punch with LSU. And, shot and for the, shot. The the week before that, they went shot for shot with BYU, and, and so they've been in these close games already. And and Texas A and M hasn't been in a close game yet, really. I mean, they got blown out by Miami by all standards. Uh, score looked closer than it was, to be honest. Um, and then all these other games were, were, were just – they handled. And so I think I like Arkansas's leadership. I like their seniorship. I like K.J. Jefferson. And if you're going to – Put me in a battle of two game. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a battle for MS third place in the West right now. I, yeah. Even if, if if you're given Alabama second place, um, and I just, I mean, I could easily see Arkansas winning this game. So, if you're going to give them six and a half points, I'm going to take them. I'm with you, Tuck. I mean, sometimes it can be as simple as just looking at the quarterbacks. And you're right; we've got some Max Johnson recency bias, but KJ Jefferson's objectively a better signal caller, and this Arkansas team, has, like you said, has been in close games. So, give me an Arkansas team at home that knows how to play a close game, getting six and a half points. I love that. Um, so I, I feel good. I feel good about yep. that Arkansas team. And now, time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. Love it. Let's keep it moving. 
Um, next game here, Tuck. Your precious Georgia Bulldogs versus the Auburn Tigers. What are your thoughts? Man, I I have so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> you know, we're talking a lot of, of, of things that have played into my head on this game. I mean, obviously, Georgia has not played to their standard. So I think we kind of know who Auburn is at this point. The question is, who is Georgia? And the question is, what is going to be the game plan? What is going to be the scheme for Georgia? And the more I think about it, you know, if I'm, I'm putting myself in Kirby Smart's shoes, per se, I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, all right, at the end of the day, we need to be undefeated. How in what situation does Georgia lose this game? And I think the answer to that is, you know, Carson Beck being on in his first road test at Auburn, a crazy environment and him just for lack of a better term, shitting the bed. Um, and I think that in kind of a low scoring burnout game where we make a ton of mistakes. And, and I think that that's the only chance that Auburn really has at winning this game. So to defeat that as a coach, if I'm in their shoes, I'm probably going to play very much within myself. I, I don't think we're going to be opening up our offense in this game. I don't, I don't see Georgia pulling out all the tricks in their bag. I don't see us taking a ton of deep shots with Beck because I think that just opens you up to too much more possibility uh, of losing this game. So I, I see this being a low score uh, barn burner of a game. Um, what what do you think of it? Looking at it, ironically, um, I, I I feel like I may be more confident in Georgia than than you are, unless you're just giving us like the doomsday scenario. I I've seen that line at fourteen. I've seen it at four, 14 and a half. Georgia giving 14, 14 mm-hmm. and a half. I love Georgia there. I know it's at Auburn, at Jordan Hare Stadium. That's a great environment. If anyone's ever been to a game there, it's it's an awesome electric atmosphere. But I mean, Tuck, I go back to this. The The forward pass was invented in football in 1906. And this Auburn might have the worst passing offense we've seen since 1906. I mean, we're talking 100, <laughs> we're talking 120-ish years, right? They, uh, what is going on with Hugh Freeze? What is going on with these Auburn quarterbacks? Um, Peyton Thorne is not the answer. Robbie Ashford can't throw the ball. You know, I, once again on the pod, I'm gonna, I, I want to see more of Holden, but – there's just, it's fascinating to watch this team because they can't throw the ball. And we've said it here so many times, Georgia has the best defensive mind in college football with Kirby Smart. And Georgia probably has the best secondary in college football. So what what is Auburn going to do? They're going to have to run it. Well, unfortunately, Georgia's got a great defensive line and great linebackers. So I I see, I see Georgia stopping the run early and often. I see Auburn struggling to throw the ball, you know, on every sort of third and long situation when they can't run it. I, I see Georgia running away with this. I, I never well, say never, but I, I've got this as almost like a, I've got this basically as like a 0% chance for Auburn to win this football game. Yeah, and I look. I, I think that that's a more likely outcome than Auburn winning is us blowing them out. 
Um, but yeah, this line started at 17 and a half and it's moved in Auburn's favor to 14 and a half. And I just eight, like I think that. I saw like 80% of bets are coming in on Georgia. But also I looked up, and if you go back the past eight years, lines wise for Georgia versus Auburn, Georgia's covered like seven out of eight, with the only time they didn't cover was when Auburn beat them in 2017 and they came back and beat them in the SEC championship. Nice. So this was one of those situations where Vegas, I think, has scared me off of Georgia. But I agree with everything you said in your synopsis. So I went deeper and found other lines to hop on. And I do think the one consistency on both teams is I think Georgia's defense is really good. I think Auburn's offense is really bad. I really think it's that simple. I looked up Auburn's over under, and it is at 14 and a half, their total scoring. And I want to take, if I'm taking a bet on this game, I'm taking under Auburn 14 and a half. I don't see them scoring two touchdowns in this Count game. me in. I love that. Count me in. <laughs> that feels like, that feels like lock of the week territory. I thought it was going to be between 10 and 14, one of those things. And when I saw it over two touchdowns, <laughs> I, I immediately hopped on that. And insert the gif of the child throwing the cash out of the window. Take my money. (laughs) Take all my money. Uh, Yeah, this Auburn team is just not going to. This is going to be one of those games where they have like less than 150 total yards. Yeah, I mean, the only the only scenario I see them getting over 14 points is with with, you know, a pick pick six and a blocked punt. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Kickoff return, touchdown, pick six. Yeah. So, you know. We Barring pretty, that situation, we should be okay. We seem pretty aligned on that one. I mean, I, I still think this Georgia team's really, really good, and I don't think this Auburn team's very good. So it's really that simple for me. Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. Let's keep it rolling. 4 p.m. game, Missouri playing our Vanderbilt Commodores. Tuck, you know, the Vanderbilt Commodores have continued to let us down, but they're getting 14 points here on what I'm looking at. So what are your thoughts on Missouri Vandy? I, you know, I, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I don't really know what to think from a perspective of, I mean, I, I, I do think Missouri's going to win at, at the end of the day. Yep. From the betting perspective, Vanderbilt has just continuously let me down. But I'm also kind of scared that this is going to be the one game that they step up. I mean, they beat Missouri last year. Yeah. Um. I think they've got a pretty good scheme. I We got Missouri playing versus LSU next week, so they might be just playing a kind of down game. Might be looking ahead. So I'm not taking a bet on this game, per se. I But, you know, if, if we're just talking solely from what I expect to see, I, I expect to see Missouri handle this game, but I also expect to see Vandy kind of give them a little scare. Um, and, and people maybe start to back off Missouri after this week because Vandy might keep it closer th- than you think. Uh, but that being said, I could easily see a scenario where Missouri just runs away with this thing. And, and if, if AJ Swan is throwing picks and everything like he was last week and they're playing completely un Vanderbilt type football, like, like I feel like they have been, um, then I could easily see Missouri running away with it, which is why I'm not betting on it. But at the end of the day, I just I I think Missouri's 
going to handle this thing. I don't think it's ever going to be a real in doubt game. Tuck, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I'm looking at this game. This is a this is an absolute do not bet game for me. Like a red alert, do not touch. My heart, my heart is telling me Vanderbilt keeps it close. We've talked about the trio of receivers. I think they could have some success against Missouri's defensive secondary. Yeah, my head's telling me that. You know, Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, and our guy Luther Burden the third are just going to take care of business. I I do think Missouri wins this game comfortably. That fourteen point line I think is right on the money. I'm I I'm I'm too afraid to touch this from a betting perspective. I like Missouri to take care of business here. I like Missouri to be five and zero going into LSU. Uh, I like what I've seen from Brady Cook. I'm gonna for our listeners. I'm gonna tell you exactly what's going to happen. Uh, Cody Schrader is going to have mm, 25 carries for, let's call it 125 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Luther Burden's going to have 10 catches for, let's call it 100 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I think Missouri's going to win this game by two touchdowns. So I think the line's spot on at 14. Uh, but I like I like Missouri taking care of business here. Yeah, you make a I mean... Missouri's secondary has been pretty suspect all season. Hasn't really yeah. stopped too many people. I do think Vandy. I think Vandy's going to score some points. Um, and that so Vandy I, receiving trio, Tuck, Will Shepard, London Humphreys, and Jane McGowan. I mean, that's a that's a good trio. I I think that's one of the better receiving trios in the SEC. That's a talented group. Yeah, my big fear still is just AJ Swan. I mean, he's got eleven touchdowns to seven picks on the year. Yeah. And he's got to get rid of those fifty percent of his passes. Not good. yeah. I mean, he's just got he's got to get rid of those mistakes. Throw the ball away. Like stop forcing things. And 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 what you'll do is you'll see that you're hanging around in these games. And that's all Vanderbilt has had success in the past. I mean, when you're playing Vandy, most teams kind of come in expecting to dominate. And then if you're still sitting there and winning position in the third quarter, they start to get scared. And then that's when Vanderbilt should capitalize. And I think that's how they win games, but that is not how they've been doing it. They, they've been taking way too many risks, not staying within themselves and, and just blowing football games. I agree. We were, we were once AJ Swan guys and it feels like we're both, you know, looks like we've both uh, taken the, the stop off the AJ Swan train. Looks like we've got off that train. If, as they say, I think that's definitely true. A fair take. <laughs> All right. 6 p.m. game. This is probably your SEC game of the week, if that's fair. LSU Old Miss. LSU giving two and a half at Ole Miss. We got the game in Oxford, in Oxford, Mississippi, which is exciting. Listeners, you know, I was on the Ole Miss train last week. You heard me have them second in the power rankings. I'm... I was on and and now I'm off. I uh, I was disappointed in this Ole Miss team against Alabama. I did not think that was a good, clean football game by Jackson Dart. I continue to worry about Quinshawn Judkins. I thought he was going to be one of the best running backs in the country. He has not looked great. They do have a couple dynamic receivers, Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade, but I like this LSU team winning this game. I like this LSU team covering the two-and-a-half-point spread. I think that win against Arkansas was a 
a positive for LSU. They took care of business. Jaden Daniels has been good. Logan Diggs at running back is really coming on. That two-headed wide receiver monster, best wide receiver duo in the SEC, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. They're going to really test that Ole Miss secondary. On the other side, I think Ole Miss's receivers are going to test that very, very suspect LSU secondary. But I'm going to go ahead and call my shot again, Tuck. I've got LSU winning this game by 10+. plus. Give me the Tigers in this one. So I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I think LSU overmatches Ole Miss in most categories if, if you're just running down the position groups of this game. I think that they have played better throughout the season. I think they've had tougher games, you know, where they've come down to the wire. I like this Arkansas game last week. But this is 100% a situation of Las Vegas persuading my bet. This feels like a wild trap game to me. (laughs) I just feel like LSU should be favored by at least a touchdown in this game. And so with it sitting at two and a half, it's a situation of what do they know that I don't? (laughs) <laughs> and so you know i know this isn't necessarily the the information that people are looking for and I, I know you want me to break down why each team's going to win and, and and break it down by position group but if i did that it would just come out in lsu's favor yeah and then the truth of the matter is this lsu team isn't really trustworthy this year they haven't they didn't show up against florida state at least in the second half yeah, they, they one one bad half. Yeah, yeah, they really. I mean, Arkansas, I don't think is quite as good as people are quite are giving them a hundred percent credit for. I think maybe this was. I think LSU played down in that game as well. The one game that, where they've looked dominant was against Mississippi State, but I'm just gonna I'm taking Ole Miss. Here, I is and it's solely on a gut feeling and the Vegas line feeling like it's completely off. I like it, Tuck. The talk track. I think LSU's better at every position. Give me Ole Miss. Yep, that's Give it. me Ole Miss. Give me Ole Miss. Vegas knows something we don't. Yeah, the that line is weird. I we're not odds makers. If I was an odds maker, I would that would not have been the line I chose. And it is important for our listeners to know. Lines are not necessarily what Vegas thinks is going to happen. Lines are what Vegas thinks will cause the most money to flow into the bet, which is interesting. Right. So uh, I think there are some, like, let's call it economic dynamics going on at play there. But but I think I th- that just means they want people to bet LSU. I, I agree. I agree. They're trying to push. The, clearly, they're trying to push the better to LSU. And if, if that's what they're doing, it's working for me because – I, I think this LSU offense is going to overpower this Ole Miss defense. And I think this LSU defense is going to do enough to stop Ole Miss to win this football game. That's really. Yeah. Well, and the over under in this game is 67 and a half. I do. I mean, LSU secondary is very suspect. If Arkansas can throw all over you, both I think Ole Miss can too. Both secondary is very suspect. Uh, this is the highest over under at 67 and a half. And that, that's really high. Um, but I don't tell you, I don't want to touch that. I don't want no. anything to do with it. 
I don't want anything to do with it either. Um, but you know what? Let's just stick with our line bets here. We we got to like get a battle it. on our hands. I like it. I, it's always nice when we do something different because one of us will get it right. So <laughs> listeners will say, boy, one we of them. We can't go right. 0 for 10 now. No, we're not going to miss them all now. We, I think we're going against each other on two games so far. So we're going to have some picks right this week. Folks. I have a feeling we're going to go against each other on this next one. Oh, boy. That means I probably know what you're doing and you probably know what I'm doing. So <laughs> another great transition from Tuck, the master of transition. And now time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is sponsored by Pintail Site Preparation. The team at Pintail is providing the best site preparation work in Savannah, Georgia, and throughout the Low Country. If you need the best site prep team in the business, give Pintail a call. Pintail Site Preparation's goal is to deliver the highest quality, most cost-effective projects on schedule by supporting motivated, flexible, and focused teams, while most importantly, emphasizing on safety. If it's site preparation you want to nail, go ahead and call Pintail. Pintail Site Preparation, the best in Georgia and the Low Country. Our next game, 7:30 SEC Network in Knoxville, Tennessee, at Nayland Stadium. My South Carolina Gamecocks going against one of our favorite guests, David, the Big Orange Torres, Tennessee Volunteers. Tuck, you want me to kick it off since I've got the local knowledge? Please fill us in, listener. I, I, I've been calling my shot throughout the podcast today. I'm going to call it again. Um, I've seen this line fluctuate. Uh, I was, I jumped on this at South Carolina plus 12 and a half. And I like that. I think college football can be very simple sometimes. And I think this is a, it is still a very quarterback driven sport. I think Spencer Rattler is better than Joe Milton. I think the South Carolina Gamecocks team is coming along. We found our offensive line. We are starting two true freshmen on the offensive line now, but they've proven to be much better than the guys they've replaced. So we've shored up the offensive line a little bit with two dynamic freshmen. We've got a new running back, Mario Anderson, who's energized this offense. He runs hard, transfer from Division Two. The guy's a player. The guy's a true running back. He's a bowling ball. He breaks tackles. We have the best wide receiver statistically in college football this year, Xavier Leggett. We still do not have Juice Wells, our our number one receiver last year. He's he is still out, unfortunately. But uh, we got a couple of our other receivers back, like a Marion Brown. I think this South Carolina defense is going to struggle with the Tennessee offense. So I, I saw the over-under on this one was 60. I think that feels right. This is going to be – I think this is going to be an offensive game. I like South Carolina covering 12-and-a-half. I, I still think – I think Tennessee will win this football game, but I think this is going to be a, a very close game, a three-point game. And if, you, if you've got a wild hair and like to put in some crazy bets or anything, I, I do like South Carolina money line because the money line number is huge right now. Uh, and I think there's value there for the Gamecocks. And Tuck, I'll tell you, two hours ago, Tennessee released their injury report. It was about two pages long. And I know <laughs> there's, I know there's a lot of gamesmanship on these injury reports, especially in college, where the, you know the NFL you're required to give all that information accurately. In college, you are not. But I mean, Tennessee starting running, starting quarterback Joe Milton, probable. And there were some interesting things about him and a potential like knee injury. 
starting running back and one of their best offensive skill players, Jalen Wright. They they don't even know if he's going to play. He's they think he's hurt. Brew McCoy, their number one receiver, he's probable. So, I mean, it was just a laundry list of key players for Tennessee that were popping up on that injury report, and I imagine all of them will play. But th- these guys are banged up, and South Carolina outside of Juice Wells is pretty fresh. So, I like the Gamecocks here covering Tuck. Well, I disagree. Um, I like it. I think playing Tennessee at Tennessee is about as tough of a place to play in as you as you can. Um, I kind of stated earlier about the Tennessee-Florida game. I think that they just got out-schemed in that game. I think it was kind of a fluky a fluky game that Tennessee probably wins more times than not, but, but Florida just had everything fall perfectly in its lap and Tennessee went behind early. And I think that hurt. I think Tennessee's rushing attack is getting significantly better as the year rolls on. And I think their O line is actually getting healthier. Um, and I think because of all those regions, and I, I do think it's going to be an incredibly high-scoring game. I, I wanted to take the over, but it looks like, you know, 60 a high number. So I, I don't want to take that. I just, you know, it's, it's one of those games that really boils down to Tennessee, especially in the first half, kind of how do they come out of the gate? And if, if they can come out and – play well and, and and start getting hitting their stride on offense then we're I mean Tennessee just has that propensity to to blow people out um I don't think they're gonna blow South Carolina out because I, I do think that South Carolina's offense is too good between Leggett and Rattler uh to for them to just be out of this game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee just like went up early and just kind of stayed a touchdown or two ahead. And and then it turned into a battle throughout the game. But at the end of the day, I feel like Tennessee is going to win this game. Uh, Their rushing attack, I think is still good. Florida stopped that by running the ball every play. (laughs) <laughs> but South Carolina yeah, doesn't we have a rushing to attack to run yeah. the ball every trip. So I think the Volunteers' defensive front is going to outplay South Carolina's offensive. I think Tennessee is going to score more than they have in the past. You know, I, I think they just got a series of bad breaks against Florida. Um, but you know, we still have the question. I mean, is Milton just going to miss every throw, kind of thing? You know that, and that that's possible too. So, but I I I think Tennessee at home, they're a different beasts there, and I I like Tennessee in this in this ball game. Give it, give me them minus twelve. And I think that's fair, Tuck. You mentioned for the folks who are interested in our predictions on let's call it the game script. Uh, Tennessee has the number one rushing offense in the SEC so far this year, and South Carolina has one of the worst rushing defenses. So this is going to be an interesting game where Tennessee is going to try to go fast and run, and South Carolina is going to have to stack the box. 
And if anybody watched last week, you saw South Carolina try to stack the box against Mississippi State, and we got absolutely obliterated through the air, but we did stop the run. So we gave up 500 yards passing, but only 20 yards rushing. So you're going to see South Carolina try to replicate that defensively again this week. We're going to we're going to have eight eight guys in the box basically the entire game. We're going to have our defensive backs on an island and we're going to say go cover. So that's going to lead to that's going to lead to some big plays I bet for Tennessee. Um but at the same time South Carolina is one of the top teams in the SEC when it comes to explosive plays. So I think we're going to see right. some big plays from the Gamecocks too. Uh and this is going to be one of those fun old western shootout type games so this is going to be yeah. a fun one to watch and, and back to tennessee's rushing defense i do think this is going to be a game of uh, who who can make the most stops and i oh, just yeah. trust the that tennessee defensive line against south carolina's offensive line a little bit more than i trust south carolina's defense against tennessee's offense I'm with you. And another sort of surprise stat for Tennessee, Tennessee's statistically been the most disruptive team in the SEC so far this season when you look at sacks, tackles for loss, and quarterback hurries. Uh, and we know South Carolina's offensive line hasn't been good. So there's there's a there's a recipe for a comfortable Tennessee win. Uh, Tux, I don't blame you for taking that. that I, I can definitely look at the tea leaves and say that's a definite possibility. But at the same time, I just... Uh, Rattler, Spencer Rattler has earned my trust, and I think he keeps this game close. Yeah, I mean, shoot. At the end of the day, Spencer Rattler could go 35 for 37 for 480 yards. <laughs> like last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think last it, year was, he was like 30 for 37 for 450 and six touchdowns. I was like, yeah, right. pretty good. So, pretty and we good. didn't even get into the part where this is a big old revenge game. Oh, yeah, revenge, so, revenge game for Tennessee. That South also, Carolina ruined their season last year, kept them out of the playoff. They, If, they, if anyone has something to play for, it's Tennessee in this yeah. game. This is a revenge game. And Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel hate each other. Listener, fun fact. So that'll be a fun thing to listen to. They do have pretty opposite personalities. Oh, they hate each other. And not just from a play-calling perspective, just like from a, I don't know. I I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Heupel's like the weird nerd, and Beamer's like the I'm trying to be cool nerd. So it makes sense that they hate (laughs) each other if you watch them. And listener, the the last point here that I think is really important is the massive amounts of bias that are going into the that's going into this specific game. I'm obviously a diehard Gamecock fan. I'm not trying to hide that. And Tuck's wife is a big Tennessee fan, so this is a we're, we're two guys with a lot of bias. So I take this say, one for a grain of salt. One other stat I want to put into this game: eighty percent of the bets are going towards South Carolina, and I have not wow. seen the line move that much. Yeah, I, I bet I bet shark money, big money's on Tennessee, I would bet. Right. That's interesting. All right, Tuck. Last game here. Alabama, Mississippi State in Starkville. Mississippi State coming off an explosive loss to South Carolina. Alabama coming off a big win over Old Miss. What are your thoughts here? You know, I mean, it should be an easily I just to get the betting out of the way, I'm going to take Alabama in this game. I, I think Mississippi State is going to keep it close through the first half or so. Um, but Alabama's defense is will just have a way to wear this game down. And I like, I just wouldn't be surprised if Alabama's defense scores a touchdown in this game. Um, 
I think that, you know, Will Rogers was able to sling the ball freely last week uh, because, as you've stated multiple times, South Carolina was just stacking the box. Uh, Alabama doesn't have to do that. Uh, Alabama can put four linemen down and still rock, stop the run against Mississippi State and have plenty of defenders in the backfield to, to stop the big play from happening. So I, I think Alabama shuts down this Mississippi State, um, this Mississippi State offense, and I don't trust this Mississippi State defense for the life of me. Uh, I, I think everyone still like keeps thinking they're going to be good, but yeah. I, I don't know why. Um, and I don't, so I don't think Alabama has to do much. I mean, I think they can literally run the ball almost every play, and cover the spread of 14 and a half. I mean, I think Alabama can play Alabama football, run, 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 deep throw, deep throw, run, 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 and easily cover this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a blowout similar to the LSU Mississippi State game. Tuck, I love it. We're going to, we're going to end in unison. Uh, love this is, this is a comfortable Alabama cover for me. Alabama is going to run the ball. They found their quarterback. Jalen Milrow's the guy. Quarterback controversy over. You know, Jalen Milrow's strategy for anybody that's watched is short pass, long pass run. He, he's not going to try to hit the intermediate areas. He's going to use his legs. Jace McClellan looked good last week. So I've got Jalen Milrow and Jace McClellan just sort of leading this rushing attack. I don't think Alabama's going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think they're going to need to throw the ball. I think that Alabama defense is going to really, really be disruptive and cause issues for Will Rogers. I think this is another Dallas Turner game where he's going to basically pressure Will Rogers essentially every play. Will Rogers just had a good game against South Carolina stacking the box. Tuck said it best. Alabama's not going to need to stack the box, so he's going to struggle. They're going to double team to Lou Griffin at wide receiver and shut him down. You know, we we want to see Jaquavius Marks, Mississippi State's running back, because he's one of the best running backs in the SEC, but there's clearly not a lot of trust in him from Zach Arnett, the Mississippi State coach, because he's just not getting the touches he deserves recently. Uh, and then, Tuck, you mentioned this Mississippi State defense. They do. They have the best linebacker tandem in the SEC, Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson, two absolute studs. The rest of this defense is is nothing short, nothing short of incompetent. It's a real struggle outside of those two linebackers. So let's see if let's see if those two linebackers, Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson, can stop that Alabama rushing attack. That's what it's going to come down to. I don't think they're going to be able to, and I've got Alabama comfortably covering. Yeah, well, glad we ended in unison, and it sounds like we got lots of the same points there. I mean, yeah, no reason this game should be close. Al- Alabama needs to – I mean, if they're trying to claw back and claim best team in the SEC West, they need to handle Mississippi State because I do think they are the oh, worst yeah. team in the SEC West. Um, yeah, they're probably the second worst team in the SEC behind Vanderbilt. And Alabama's finding their identity right now, which I think is really good for them. Um, yeah. They, I think they were trying to do all these things that they did last year, and they just don't have the same team that they had last year. And they, I, they're slowly adapting. Um, and I think this is another game where they just kind of 
practice out that that run run deep ball approach and i I think they handle business tuck i've been telling our listeners this entire podcast where this is our 14th episode i think i've been telling listeners this entire podcast this alabama team is built to run the ball control the clock and play good defense and it's about time nick saban tuned in and started listening to the pod because he's starting to figure that out which is a good thing yeah like you said this is a run run pass team that's gonna play good defense and i think i think the defense alone makes this a top three or four team in the sec so i I think they take care of business comfortably against one of the bottom feeders of the sec in mississippi state i agree all right tuck well any other college football games you want to touch on we've got a couple of top 25 matchups uh i think duke notre dame battle of the smart kids is there any thoughts any thoughts on that one yeah let's dive into that game a little bit i do I think Notre Dame, I mean, I think both of these teams are a little underrated. Um, I think Duke is low-key pretty good this year. And, and I think Notre Dame, I mean, shoot, they should if they had eleven people on the field, I mean, if you rewatch that play where they only had 10 men on the field, they still almost stopped. Almost Ohio State. Stop. And they oh, ran yeah. it right at the missing this defensive lineman. Oh, yeah. So Ohio State knew that guy wasn't there, ran it at him, and still barely got across the line. I, At the end of the day, college football still, to me, is a line of scrimmage game yeah, for the most yeah. part. And I think Notre Dame just dominates Duke on, the, on both defensive and offensive line in this game. I, I think that people are assuming they're going to have kind of a down game after that big Ohio state loss and all this stuff, but they still have a ton to play for. I still think, especially with their schedule, they can win out and easily, I think if they do win out, they make it to the final four Um, with, I mean, if their only loss is a last second play to Ohio state by four points or three yeah. points or whatever that's it was. A good resume. That's, that's a good resume. pretty hard to keep them out. And, and they'll have wins over Southern Cal. They'll have wins over Clemson. They'll have wins over Duke if, if they win this game. Yeah. And so for me, what, what are you seeing the line at in that game? Do you have it in front of you? Notre Dame minus five. Yeah. Give me that. I, I think Notre Dame controls both lines of scrimmage and handles Duke in this game. Tuck, I don't have much more to say. I, I like Notre Dame as well because of the lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think this Notre Dame football team is a better football team than this Duke team. Uh, a quick shout out to Mike Elko, Duke's head coach, and then Kevin Johns, their offensive coordinator. I love those two. I think I think Duke's got a phenomenal coaching staff. I think Mike Elko is going to be at a much bigger football school next year. He's going to get hired away to someone who has a good job opening. Uh, but yeah, Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame handles this one comfortably. And a quick story for our listeners. I went to the, uh, the casino outside of Charlotte with my father-in-law on, uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday night of this week. And we were messing around at the sports book, just having a good time. And I'll tell you, I put in a, I put in a four team tuck parlay, all money lines. So I've got Southern Cal beating Colorado straight up. I've got Georgia winning straight up against Auburn. I've got Alabama beating Mississippi State straight up. And I've got Notre Dame beating Duke straight up. And believe it or not, that paid out positive money. There's so that was a look. that was a that was a plus line. And I I think that's as close to a lock as I've seen in a long, long time. 
So. Here's my one fear in this Duke Notre Dame game, and I do like I think that that's a hell of a parlay. But the one team I could see slipping up here is this Notre Dame team solely because of Riley Leonard at Duke. I mean, this guy has been—he's a stud. Nothing short of incredible. Um, for I mean, he he tore Clemson apart. Who I I'm still pretty high on Clemson. Um, and he's just a playmaker. He's just one of those guys that like you, you enjoy watching in college football because he, he just makes stuff happen. And, and he's the reason Duke is what they are right now. He's the reason they're four and zero. And if they continue to be a, a, a top notch team, I think it's solely on his back. Yeah, I like Riley, Riley Leonard too. Um, that being said, I hate to give Clemson credit. I know Duke. Blew Clemson out 28-7. But if you actually look at the data of that game, Clemson had more yards. And like it's kind of crazy to say Clemson s- sort of dominated that game that they lost 28 to 7. I know that yeah, no, it, it was so out. much closer than people realize. Oh, they fumbled on like the one yard line. They threw a pick inside the five. I mean, it was just it was a comedy of errors from Clemson. But I I, I think that Clemson team's probably better than this Duke team. Um I think this Duke team's a little overrated. They haven't played anybody since Clemson and Notre Dame's going to have some real talent on the line of scrimmage at the skill position. So I I've got Notre Dame covering comfortably here. All right. Was well, there anything else you want to talk about? Tuck, I think we nailed it. Listeners, this feels like one of those weeks where we go like 75 plus percent as a pod. So Go ahead and uh, get on the train. If you're not already, get on the big SEC guys train. I think we battled each other too much to go 75%, but we'll be over 50 for sure. I'm feeling pretty good. I like it. it. We've (laughs) we've hedged enough of the games. We'll be over 50 for sure. That's all I'm aiming for here, Dan. I like it. I like it. Simple goals. All right, Tuck. Well, another great episode. We did it. All right, brother. We'll have fun. We'll talk soon. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end.